California wildfires caused by Jewish space lasers. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Oh my god. What is up, all you perverts and deviants? Welcome to another edition of Sell Porn or Die Trying. I am Connor Young. I am your host. I am the CEO, the co-owner of Why Not. I am the founder of the Why Not Cam Awards in Hollywood. I'm an all-around industry veteran, and this is my show where we talk about the business side of the adult entertainment industry. I got a great guest for you guys this week. This is actually an interview that I recorded a while back, but we had that little hiatus where we had to take our break. And so I appreciate the patience of my guest in waiting for this episode to air. Uh, and the guest is Chris Roger, who is affectionately known as Evil Chris to those of us in the uh, who've been in the industry for a while. Chris is the director of sales at Pays.com, P-A-Y-Z-E.com. He's been in the uh, business for quite some time. He's a really interesting guy. I love talking with him. And he is my guest this week. Before we get to that, I wanted to update you guys a bit on what's been going on with Why Not this last week. We just got back from Washington, D.C., the capital of our nation. Uh, Got to see the Capitol building, the White House, all that good stuff. But we were there not for politics. We were there because Exotica Expo had its first ever show in Washington, D.C. So, of course, we wanted to go. And it was actually a great time. Got to do all kinds of cool stuff in the city before the Exotica show started. Uh, as I mentioned, we did see the Capitol building. I did all that tourist shit. I went to the National Archives. I uh, sat there and gazed at the original Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. I mean, it's through this glass. It's like a million miles thick, but you're standing just you know a few feet away from it as you're looking down at it. That was pretty freaking cool, I have to say. It was, it was uh, really neat to see an artifact like that from history. Uh, We went to the Washington Monument, went over to the Lincoln Memorial, did all that kind of good stuff. Went up to the Supreme Court. I was just one day too late for all the protests over, you know, the the abortion uh, ruling or not the ruling, but the hearing that was going on. One day prior, there were all these protesters out there and it was a big deal up at the Supreme Court. When I got up there, I was quiet, you know, got pictures on the steps, uh, did all that kind of good stuff. It was fun. We saw Marine One fly over to the White House. Uh, we stood right in front of the White House. There were snipers on the roof. I even got to turn around and go over to that little church where, you know, the one where Trump gassed all those protesters and then went over there and held the Bible upside down for his photo op. So we went over there and we uh, we took a uh, we took a picture. We didn't have the Bible, so I just put the Bible on my cell phone and held it upside down. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then that led to the uh, that led to our time at the Exotica Expo, which was actually in Virginia. I mean, it says Washington D.C., but it was about a you know, a a 30 minute drive out of DC to get to the location for Exotica. And it was, it was well attended for a first time out. I mean, it wasn't like the New Jersey show where there's more people. Exotica is definitely not like, you know, the Vegas AVN shows of, of, of years past. This is something that's a little bit uh, different, but uh, there were a lot of people walking around. The weird thing, you know, watching the fans and seeing them, try to interact with our, our talent, our performers. It's an interesting thing. I mean, some guys are, are, are great at it. They walk up, they talk, but you know what? A lot of guys just didn't seem to know what to do. You know, they get into this show and they see these beautiful women everywhere and they don't know how to kind of go up and talk to them. 
I don't think there was a good sense of the fans of what's expected of them. Like, hey, do I have to pay you money or can I go up and ask for a picture or what would that cost? Or And I think part of the problem there is, you know, it was just different from from uh, performer to performer. Different performers had different rules. But it was, you know, it was crazy because you go to Jersey and some of the big performers, you know, those guys know what they're doing there. Let's just say the Jersey fans know what they're doing and they know who they want to see and they line up at the booths and they get lines going for the stars they're they're dying to to talk with, you know. But in DC, there was there were some big names that were just sitting around. Like I, Stormy Daniels was there. And I saw her at the uh, Bad Dragon booth and she was just chilling on her phone. I got a, a candid picture of her because uh, she was just chilling on her phone and there was there was like no line. Um, got to uh, kind of go up and talk with her a little bit, which was cool. I don't uh, I don't really know Stormy very well. My my background isn't really from the the video side of the industry, that old school video side. So I don't really know her well, but I got a chance to chat with her a bit, which is great. Um, Joanna Angel was there chilling, got a chance to chat with her a little bit, which was great. Jesse Jane was there and there was no fucking line, which if you come from the industry that I come from and you remember Jesse Jane in Vegas at AVN Expos and giant fucking lines to see her and all the excitement around, you know, her contract star status with digital playground and all that stuff. It's just pretty wild to see Jesse Jane there and accessible and that was the kind of stuff that was going on in, in D.C. You know, the fans were just sort of spread out and wandering around. They weren't really just just globbing on to any one star or anything like that. Uh, the Chatterbait booth was fucking phenomenal. They did such a good job uh, supporting their broadcasters. Uh, that company is just top notch. They had great setup where their their broadcasters could hang out and actually, re, you know, cam live, make money while they're on the booth meeting fans as well. A great setup. Um, the MFC booth was like, you know, it was they used to be just huge, like take over everything. And they had a big booth, but there really wasn't a lot going on in that booth. It was a little surprising. You know, I guess maybe OnlyFans has all their attention now. I, I don't know what was going on there. That was interesting. Um, but, you know, it was it was a good time. I don't know if the fans are just like, like I said, they didn't know if they had to pay when they went up. They didn't know what to say. If they were just socially awkward, we've got you know a new generation coming up. Adults aren't the adult. Uh, the young adults aren't the young adults they were. You know when I was a young adult. So you know these guys maybe they just they, you know they, they're online all the time and they don't know what to do when they're in a a a a, uh, a direct one on one situation. I don't think that's it though because you know what Jersey it's it's not that way in Jersey. So I think it was just something going on here at this particular show. Uh, maybe it's just a communication issue, but you know, it was cool. The fans were, were fine. Uh, there were no problems that I saw. The talent was having a great time. The why not booth was on fire, like on fire. We had so much talent in that booth that I, I can't tell you how great that was for us to see all these, these uh, stars hanging out and interacting in our booth with bands. Really cool. I mean, to drop some names, we had uh, area Hayes was there, Nora Nova, a little red bunny was there. Got to hang out with her quite a bit. I really like her, by the way. Uh, what a interesting person with all kinds of great ideas about the industry. Romy Chase was there. Uh, Madeline Ray was there. Rebecca Leo was there. Autumn South, Miss Toxic Goddess, Sierra Slater, Kirby Mary, Scarlet Lush, uh, Marley Jane, and actually two. I think two of the stars of our booth was actually uh, newcomers, uh, Misty Love and Cherry Love. We're just hanging out at the booth and rocking it. 
Fans loved them. They had a great time. Uh, we loved watching them do their thing. Uh, just, just really cool. So that was a great time. Um, and shows, I don't look, I don't know what's going to happen with this Omicron variant. We're all watching the news. We're all a little bit nervous, but shows are mostly back. Um, and, and so, you know, I guess people just have to have to find a way to go on in a way that's comfortable for them. Some people will attend shows. Some people won't. Uh, if you attend shows, I mean, take the precautions you can. You know, I am a strong proponent of getting vaccinated. I'm triple vaxxed and I'm really, really happy that I am. You know, I'm looking at the data coming in, the early data with this Omicron variant, and it looks like being triple vaxxed is a pretty strong advantage, even over just the the, the former double vax. So, you know, I'm encouraging everybody, if you're going to go to shows, get vaccinated, get your booster shots. Personally, I think that's the only way to attend shows uh, is to do that. And if you want to wear a mask, wear it. I A lot of people weren't uh, just to be, you know, up, up front and kind of explain the atmosphere. But there were some people that were in D.C. I'd say it was like maybe 10 percent were walking around with a mask. But uh, so, you know, I mean, maybe that's not ideal. It's kind of hard to be at a show like that and walking around with a mask on. Um, but at the same time, maybe more people should be masking up. I don't know. Uh, I leave that for people to to decide on their own. But um, but yeah, it was it was a great time. And speaking of shows, another show that's coming up and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this one is Internet Expo. Inter- I'm sorry, Internext Expo. Um, Internext Expo. This is really the show that got me heavily involved in the adult entertainment business, but it was actually called IA 2000 way back in the day. My first trade show I ever went to in uh, 19, geez, I can't believe the 1900s now. That feels like so long ago. 1998, it was in Orlando. It was called IA 2000 at the time. This show eventually was bought by AVN. They turned it into, it, it, it got turned into Internext Expo. I can't remember if AVN made that name change or if the former owners did before they sold it. I want to say it was AVN, but I can't remember for sure. Internext Expo during the gold rush of adult affiliate days, whatever you want to call that, uh, that thing we had for a while, it, this was a huge show. It was a big deal. And, um, you know, it's like huge booths and and all kinds of money and huge parties. Now it's something different because, you know, we got to evolve with the times. We we say adapt or die. And Internet Expo does not want to die, so they're adapting. They're going to be in Vegas January 14th through 17th at Resorts World, and it's going to be a hybrid event. So if you can't make it out to Vegas, you can still kind of participate in the online portion. Look, as somebody who runs an online event, Why Not Summit, exclusively an online event, somebody who runs in-person events like we do with Why Not Community and, of course, our award shows and whatnot, I'll say this, running event is a lot of work and doing an online event is still a lot of work. So they're going to do this hybrid thing for Internet Expo. And I don't know how well the online portion will work or not. Um, it really depends on the amount of resources they throw at it. If they have people dedicated to the online side who are not in Vegas, who are just running the online side, it should be fine. Um, if it looks like it came up short, well, that's probably because their staff is, is focused on the in-person side in Vegas and it, frankly, it's hard to do both of those things at the same time. It just is. So we'll see how that goes in terms of the hybrid aspect of it. If you can make it out to Vegas, if you're comfortable with travel, 
Um, I know we're all watching this variant. Um, if you feel relatively safe there, then I would say make it out to Vegas. Just go in person. There's nothing like in-person events. And I know Internext could use the the support. It's difficult times. I know what it's like trying to put on events these days. And so industry support at the show, I'm sure will go a long way to making sure we have future Internext Expos and that the uh, GFY team over there who's running the show now, because AVN uh, no longer runs it, you know, that they get the support and love they need from the industry so they can keep doing this for us. So if you can make it, you know, head on out, check out Internext Expo's website, get registered, uh, register for a hotel room through their website, guys, if you're going to go. This is huge. People don't understand if they don't run events that, you know, these, these events, they have to fill a certain number of hotel rooms. If you go to, you know, Priceline or some shit like that because you saved 20 bucks, then they don't get credit for that room. And, you know, if you don't fill all the rooms you have to fill, the, the hotels hit you with this thing called attrition where you have to pay for hotel rooms that didn't even get used. And you know what? Just support the show. Register through their link. I, I think the prices are, you know, are the same um, or better through their link. I haven't seen any any discounts anywhere. But you know what? Even if you're going to save 20 bucks on some fucking discount site, don't be a dick. Just go to the Internet Expo site, register for a hotel room through their link. Um, that, you know, as I mentioned, that's going to be in, in January from 14th to 17th. But right before it, also in Vegas at Caesars Palace from the 11th through the 13th is MailCon. Uh, so if you're into email marketing and and that whole game, if you're an affiliate who wants to learn more about email marketing, you want to network with other email marketers, uh, talk to companies in the field, etc. This is not an adult show, but it is an affiliate show. It is for, for marketers, for online marketers. And you can make it a two for one um, if you're feeling like comfortable about going to Vegas. So January 11th to 13th for MailCon and it's January 14th to 17th for the uh, Internext Expo, the triumphant return of Internext Expo. Looking forward to that. Um, why not, by the way, we're we're planning some pretty exciting things for 2022. You know, I'm probably not going to get into them until uh, season two of the podcast. We'll see. That's my, my, my guess. We're working on, you know, getting the announcements ready to go and some of the details, et cetera. We're in the early stages. But we got things we're, we're excited to announce for 2022 as well. Uh, and, of course, 2022, we're going to have – the return of all of our signature events. So look for uh, news about Why Not Summit, our online-only uh, industry summit. We also are going to be bringing back the Why Not Awards. We're going to be bringing back the Why Not Cam Awards in Hollywood and Why Not Community. In fact, sponsors are, you guys have been awesome, already really excited about Hollywood, even though it's not till later in the year. So we've got some time on that one, but goddamn, we love getting that love. We love the love, man. We appreciate all the support you guys are giving us and understanding the of the vision and what we're trying to do to build up the model performer industry in, in adults. So thank you guys for that and stay tuned for some exciting announcements about Why Not's plans for 2022. We can't wait to share them with you. But first, uh, right now, let's get on to this interview with Chris. Chris is a guy I've known for a long time. He goes back when I talk about the affiliate gold rush days and everything back in the early days of the adult internet. This is Chris is a veteran from that time. He's one of the one of my longest industry friends and a guy that I just every time we hang out, I just love talking with him. He's chill, as you'll tell from his, you know, from his interview. The guy is just relaxed and chill. He's kind of the opposite of me. I got a lot of energy and he's just real chill. 
And um, he's he's one of the things we like to do when we get together and talk is is like I always love to throw conspiracy theories at him and just kind of get his reaction. And part of it is because he's such a practical guy. Right. He'll consider anything. He likes to consider whatever you throw. So you can throw a crazy theory at him and he'll think about it for a second and then he'll give you his honest reaction. Usually, you know, he'll think for a bit and start to smirk and and tell you that it's a crock of shit. But, you know, sometimes you throw a good one at him and he'll be like, all right, that's really interesting. So sometimes we'll just sit around at shows and I'll throw conspiracy theories at this guy and get his reaction. I do a little bit of of that in this interview with him here today. But of course, we also just talk about, you know, he's he's in the payment processing side of the business now and has been for a while. Uh, but we so we talk about that. But we also talk about, you know, just just uh, the affiliate days and traffic and what's going on with that these days and uh, user generated content. And if that's going to be a problem and Visa and MasterCard, we got a great uh, wide ranging discussion about various issues that are important to the business. So. Here it is. Without any further ado, this is me talking with Evil Chris from Pays.com. Evil Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on Sell Porn or Die Trying. Uh, really pleased to have this time with you. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. Nice to be here, Connor. Yeah, you know, we, we go way back, um, and it's always fun to, to have these conversations with people I know well. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, you know, give people a sense of you to start out and who you are and what you're all about before we get into the adult industry and billing topics and stuff that we're going we're gonna to get into later. Um, but let's just start off with a very simple question. Outside of the adult industry, outside of work, um, what are your passions? What are you into? Um you know, I'm I'm like a lot of people. I, I like to settle down and listen to, you know, good music, my favorite music when I'm when I'm not working or in my downtime. And um let's see. I, I'm still pretty athletic for my age. I play uh, I play a lot of ball still. Um I get out and uh and exercise and and do a lot of hiking and walking and things like that. Not not as much in the wintertime. Uh, it gets pretty cold and snowy up here in Montreal. And I, I don't ski like I used to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, ball's a good example. We're just starting up our new season right now. It's a bit of a an old-timers league, but we have a lot of fun, and it is quite competitive. So when you say ball, which, which sport are you talking about? It's like a men's executive uh, baseball league. Oh, nice. Baseball. So what, what position do you play? Well, um, I, I'm one of these guys that can play pretty much any position. Uh, I don't pitch anymore and I don't catch anymore, but um, I like to play the outfield because I still got a pretty good arm. Yeah. But yeah, it, pretty much I'm a utility player. Yeah. So you got good speed out there, you know, if you got to cover some ground in the outfield. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. But remember, it, it is an old-timers league. You know, every team's got a couple of real ace players. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of those ace players. There's always that fucking guy. There's always that guy. There, There is always that kind of guy on every team. You know, <laughs> you got the, 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 the asshole. You got the, the joker. You got the guys who are just so good that they shouldn't even be in the league kind of thing. Yeah. Now we have a really good time playing, and uh, I, I it will be a sad day for me when I have to give up ball because I've played every year since I, I can't remember when. Yeah, yeah. So you have, and you have a past where you served in the Canadian military, right? So talk a little bit about that and what was that experience like, and and do you miss it? Yeah, it was great. Um, I did that straight out of high school. 
Um, I really wanted to get out of that small country town that I, that I grew up in. Um, I could not see myself staying there for any reason. So I was uh, open to a few things and um, just for fun, I went down to the recruiting center and, and I, and I, you know, put my name in and I did a couple interviews and they said, yeah, you know, in a couple months we can have you going off to basic. Mm -hmm. So I was still only 17. So my parents had to sign off and it was a bit of a culture shock for me, but I had a really good career. Um, I was lucky enough to live overseas for four years. Uh, I really traveled a lot. I got a lot of good life experience and I met incredible people along the way. And, and, and then I just decided after that, that I was, I really wanted to settle down in the Montreal area. This is an area that I, I fell in love with. And, um, you know, even though I'm from closer to Toronto, which is in Ontario, um, I decided to stay here near Montreal and I speak French, so it's not a big deal. Flu fluent? Do you speak fluently? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I, I speak so little French. I, I studied it in high school because everybody here in the U.S. told me I had to take Spanish. You know, they were like, hey, nobody speaks French here. You got to take Spanish. You'll never use French. So I was a rebellious kid. So it was like, fuck you. I'm taking French. But um, And I haven't really used it much. I think when I went to Paris, I uh, got to try to read some road signs and stuff like that. And I think I was able to... Uh, sort of communicate with the cab driver and let him know where I wanted to go. But that was, uh, that was about the extent of it. But, uh, yeah, I love the language actually. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful language and it's, it's what little I know it's fun to speak, but, um, I'm better at reading it and writing it than I am at actually hearing it. There's something about when people talk that my brain just freezes up. That that's good. The, the reading and writing, uh, can be a challenge. I, I find that if you've grown up in Canada, French is not that difficult to pick up because you, you hear it in your peripheral your whole life. Uh, it is an official language here. And so I found it not that huge of a challenge to pick up. And after so many years, you know, working in both languages, um, you know, it's a, it's a snap. I did uh, go ahead and learn some German, having lived in Germany for four years. My German is poor, but if you drop me in the middle of Germany, after a couple of weeks, you know, it comes right back. So when you were in Germany, I'm just curious. I always think of this story. Um, former uh, owner of Why Not back in the day um, was a bit of a celebrity, and uh, the Germans loved him. And you know when he come go to shows, and they invited him out to speak at this German trade show. And he said he got out there with all his material, ready to be this personality and funny. And he started delivering, you know, these lines. And hey, he's thinking he's funny. And he's like the sea of German faces, like nobody smiling, just like staring at him. Like, 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 how did how did you find the German people when you were in Germany? Did they like were they did they play around? Were they pranksters? Were they very serious? I think they're. From my experience, they were a little on the serious side. Yeah, you know, just like everybody else, right? You know, there's there's all the different classes of people. Obviously, um, no, I mean, uh, there, I mean. Look, something I saw that I couldn't believe when I first got there. Saturday mornings, uh, people are out sweeping the public street in front of their house. Nice. And, you know, cleaning up their area that is in front of them that's actually public land. And I, I realized, look, they're so proud that they don't want anybody else thinking, oh, my God, look at the state of that person's, you know street or or yard or whatever i mean they really um take care of their stuff and then you cross over into france over the rhine river and you know 
there's dog poop on the sidewalk. There's, you know, they, they rely on the public works to take care of their stuff. So it's, it was a big difference in that regard. Nothing against the French. Yeah. Beautiful. But that is a different mentality between the two uh, countries. Yeah, I haven't gotten to Germany. I really want to. I've been to France and, and loved it. Um, and, and so you've actually traveled a lot, both for work and for uh, obviously in the, when you were in the military. When you think of all the places you've been, what was your favorite? I absolutely love the Netherlands. Yeah. When I was living in Germany, my roommate and I, we could drive up there to Amsterdam um, and just enjoy ourselves, eat good food. We weren't even, you know, into the weed or anything in those days. We just went up there to have fun and travel around. We went up to way up north to Den Helder. And the first island after Den Helder is called Texel. So we spent a lot of time there. Um, we had a lot of fun down in The Hague, which is a little town called uh, Schreveningen. And um, just a lot of good memories there. So I love the Netherlands. I love to go there. I also love the UK a lot. Love visiting the UK. Yeah. Definitely. In another life, I would love to live there for a few years just to experience it. You know, you know how, how like a lot of people would love to live in New York City for a couple of years of their lives just to experience it. Yep. Well, that's kind of how I feel about about London. You know, I would love to have lived in London for a couple or three years just to say, hey, I lived there and I experienced the life there. And I'm sure a lot of not Londoners out there are probably going, oh, no, mate, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I feel you on that one like I went the first trip I took out of the United States was to England when I was um gosh 14 I think right I was in high school and we are we took our musical over to England and we toured around all these boarding schools and uh, performed it for all these boarding schools but we ended up in London first and I was 14 and it was like holy shit we were going into pubs like you know you know like we you know we have the underground so we can get a, we can get around all over the place and we go into pubs and they're serving us beer and stuff and I'm like this is fucking great uh, we had so much fucking fun on that trip and when we got out to some of the smaller towns you know, we were staying with, um, you know, with students, other students and their families would put us up and their parents were bringing us out to the pubs. Right. So it was like this. Nobody fucking cares. They're getting us beers. This is great. We were throwing darts and there were pub neighborhoods where the pubs right there. You just walk down to the pub and it's not like a bar or a club here in the U.S. where there's crazy shit going on. It was chill. People were just chilling and, and that's right. You know, talking and, and knowing, you know, getting to know it's each other. It's in the U.S. It's in the U.S. where everybody's uptight. Yeah. yeah. In, in most countries in Europe, it's what's the big deal with stuff? People get uptight over silliest shit over, you know, not just U.S. Canada too, you know, they're, their morals and their this and that. I mean, just lighten up. Yeah, no. So I, I agree with you on the UK, man. That's a, a fun place to be. And I've had that same feeling when last time I was in London, like, God, I could see if it wasn't so expensive, you know, to get a second apartment or something, you can just come over here and live for a few, uh, a few uh, months out of the year. So I would, I would gladly do that. I really enjoyed it there. But on the other hand, see, I love the USA as well, very much. And I love Americans. And, and I love to travel in the States and, and I've been lucky enough to do that ever since I've been out of the military and my civilian life. I've traveled the U.S. way more than I thought I ever would. I, I, you know, there are places I would definitely live in the United States, like, like, um, the Bay Area, anywhere between San Jose to San Francisco and that whole area. Uh, That's beautiful right. area. Yeah. Super expensive, but yeah. gorgeous area. You know, I, I like Phoenix a lot. I've never been there in the, in the heat of the, the summer. You know, Phoenix Forum was always, you know, early spring, but I hear it's, it's incredibly hot. You know, 
Um, and, and I've learned to, I, I had no idea how beautiful New Jersey is. You know, our offices are located on the Jersey shore. I go down there a lot out of COVID time and it's gorgeous. So much to do, so much to see. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it, it's speaking of COVID actually, that's something I wanted to ask you because we haven't actually seen each other uh, for a while at a show, you know, <laughs> things have been a little, uh, challenged in the last year. So, uh, what, have, what did you do to keep busy during the pandemic? How was it for you? Um, so, you know, uh, it, I didn't, the lack of traveling to shows made getting, you know, good, solid, hot leads, uh, a bit of a challenge. So what I really had to do was put myself out there as much as possible, more than usual by, you know, doing, doing stuff just like this, you know, when, when invited on a, a podcast or, or something of this nature, say, sure. Yeah. That's a, I'd be happy to do that. Or just getting out there as much as I can on boards and forums and whatnot, um, participating in group chats. Um, you know, I even got into, uh, clubhouse a little bit. Um, I haven't been on it in a little while, but that's a great place to get on there and, and, you know, chat and get to know new people. And everybody on, on Clubhouse is really eager to know you, you know, cause it's a, it's a new platform that people are using. So, um, that's basically it, you know, reaching out as much as possible on a virtual level and just, you know, staying current and, um, keeping abreast of information and new things that are going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, happy to hear you say that about shows in a way. I mean, it, it sucks that it's tough to get leads, but the good news there is that shows obviously are important to you and, and uh, a good way to to get leads. That's been my experience. When I think back of everything that I've gotten in this business from you know my first position at Why Not to eventually kind of now being the co-owner of Why Not with Jay, it's like it all came from those relationships and things that happened at various shows over the years. And We've tried to do, you know, we, uh, things same as you, you know, uh, to stay visible and relevant. And I think we did a good job of it in the last year with Why Not Summit and, and, you know, we did the online Why Not Awards and stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm a big fan of in-person events. And I think those are really important. It's certainly, certainly with what, what I do for pays and that is to, you know, to take care of people's money and their processing. Um, there's there's nothing as good as meeting somebody face to face and knowing them and uh you know before you trust them with your 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 portfolio of uh of users and and your transactions so it's really important for us to go out and meet people the fact that everybody on our team goes back 20 plus years in this industry is definitely a plus for us that's right yeah absolutely all right well look what you know but what the audience doesn't know is that you and I, when we get together at like Phoenix Forum and places like that, sitting around having a drink, one of the things I love to do is throw conspiracy theories at you, at you uh, <laughs> yes. right? and see what you uh, what you think of these conspiracy theories. So I'm going to throw. Don't think about these very just very quick answers on these. I'm going to throw some very common conspiracy theories by you. Just give me a yes or no if you believe in these conspiracy theories or not. You ready? Oh my God! Is this prepared? Do you have this prepared? This is prepared just for you. No other guest has gotten this. This is uh, exclusive right here. All right, so we'll start easy. Bigfoot, yes or no? Oh no. Okay. The UFOs that everyone's seeing, alien visitors or no? No. Okay. Microchip. I could just say because of that. In that, I would say ninety-nine percent of them are nothing. There might be that one percent of things out there that could 
could be real because you know we, we can't know for sure. But I think that kind of stuff is faked. So faked, or or maybe like in some kind of an optical effect, that, you know, something like that. Yeah, or just mistakes. You know, this is it's something else. Okay, all right. Uh, microchips and the vaccines. No, ridiculous. All right. California wildfires caused by Jewish space lasers. Well. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, my God. All right. Now we'll get a little more serious. Uh, JFK killed by the mafia. Hmm. You know, that's one of my favorite conspiracy uh, theories. And I, I remember watching... Um, watching Oliver Stone's movie JFK when it came out years and years ago. And I was, I was really like taken with it. It's like, wow, this made me think. And you know, this and fast forward, however many years, what's that? Like movie is like 22 years old or something. Now, if you watch that movie now today, you're like, this is, this is ridiculous. Right, right, right. This is, this is crazy. The most gripping part of the movie is, is when that uh, black ops dude is chatting with him out in front of the, uh, what is it? The, the Lincoln Memorial. And he's given them all the information and stuff. Okay, but I don't know. You know now I know more about it. Uh, so mafia, no? No, I, no, not the mafia. What about the CIA? Yeah, yeah, it's more like it's that's more more like it. Yeah, all right, that's the one that that's by the way that's where I fall down on that one. For me, it's CIA. You know, I had someone to me, and I by the way the intro, I stood in front of the uh, the building, you know, where he was shot, and when I went to Dallas, the thing that struck me the most about that was. Like, okay, it's hard to explain. If you're standing about where his car was when he got shot and you look up the building, you're like, it's right fucking there. It's like, wait, nobody saw a dude in that window. You're telling me like right there with a fucking gun while the president's right there. Nobody saw that. Like, that's the thing that's really, and he was there. We all know he was in the building. We all know he shot from there. So that's not like being disputed that, that he shot from this window, but that's, that's just crazy. It's like right fucking there. All right. What, um, Two more for you. COVID-19. Do you think it uh, transferred over from an animal or something like that? Or do you think it escaped from a Chinese lab? Yeah, it's, it's some, I think it's at this point, you know, with everything we know and everything we've sifted through all the nonsense news and the stupid blog posts that people put out with their own, their own opinions. It was probably, it was probably something that originated from from an animal of some kind and they brought it into the lab to study it or to test to see how fastly it would mutate and in doing so with good intentions something happened right right that, that that's the most human answer i can think of cuz we none of us are perfect certainly even scientists aren't perfect you know, they got to be close to it but i'm sure that's what happened that's generally my, that's where I fall down on that one too. Um, all right. Now here's, I, this one it needs a little explanation. I and by the way, it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. How, yeah. how it, how it, it doesn't even matter, but everybody's, you know, uh, pissed off at each other arguing about it. it doesn't matter. It's happened. Yeah. No. What are you going to do? Sue somebody? No. It's, it's, it's happened. It's over. Can't go back. Okay. Now, this one i got to explain a little for the audience. You've heard me probably throw this one around. This is my favorite conspiracy of all times, all right? So all right. this is the Reagan assassination, okay? So he was shot by a man named John Hinckley, okay? Um, the vice president at the time, of course, was George H.W. Bush, who ran against Reagan for, for president and, you know, lost the nomination. Reagan ended up choosing him as his vice president. Obviously, if Reagan dies, George H.W. Bush becomes president of the United States, 
he felt like we we see the quotes. We know that George H. W. Bush felt like it was his time. He had put in the you know the the right things and felt like he 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 should be president. Um, you know, and Reagan was this actor, you know, who's like, you know, who, who didn't have his background. George H.W. Bush was was likely former CIA. There's records that indicate that he was CIA. Probably, by the way, around the time uh, Kennedy was was shot, he probably would have been uh, in the CIA. Um, Hinckley, and this is the part, Hinckley, the, the common story is that he was trying to impress Jodie Foster. So some Hollywood liberal that this guy was trying to impress and he thought if he shot Reagan because Jodie Foster was critical of Reagan, he was going to get her attention and impress her. That's the story that's been told. Okay. The night that Reagan was shot, Neil Bush, which is George H.W. Bush's son, so or George W. Bush's brother, had a dinner meeting with another meeting of the Hinckley family. Turns out the Hinckley family is a Texas oil family. So they got ties to the energy industry in Texas. They were close friends of the Bushes, or I will say close friends. I shouldn't add that. They were friends of the Bushes, acquaintances. They knew each other. Okay. So Hinckley, supposedly it's like, oh, this guy's trying to impress Jody Foster, but he just so happens to be a member of this family that's friends with the guy who would become president if Reagan is, is, is killed. So do you buy the Jody Foster story? Do you think Kinkley was uh, was trying to assassinate Reagan for to maybe push his friend's family to the uh, to the presidency? There's something more nefarious going on, or option C, something else. Well, um, you, you you've told me stuff that I wasn't even sure of, or I didn't even know about with the, the connections between the Hinckleys and the Bushes. Um, but I get, I guess there's a remote chance that there is some truth to that. But I know a little bit about that. This this uh, attempt to assassination. God, it was all over the news when it happened. What was that? Eight eighty? It was in the eighties. Yeah, it was definitely in the eighties. I can't remember. I remember the, the Saturday Night Live uh, spoof on it, which was fucking fantastic. <laughs> if no, if anybody out there has never heard of Joe Piscopo, he is one of the most underrated Saturday Night Live cast members ever. Yeah, fantastic. But anyway. Um, no, I've always thought that that Hinckley was uh, a troubled guy with special needs that um, probably just came up with this shit on his own. Could he have been um, encouraged to do it somehow by a family member? It's possible, but I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. You and I are you and I are going to have to discuss this one more, and I'm going to have to go and do my own little research on it too, because that's what that's one that I've actually I've actually watched on YouTube uh, some of those clips and interviews uh, recently, not recently, but yeah, recently during COVID. Yeah, you know, it's to me, it's something like in a perfect world, you would think that if the vice president's buddies <laughs> or or known acquaintances take out try to take out the president. You would at the least, okay, you say maybe it's like what you said. The guy's got some issues, right? And he he acted on, on his own. That's very possible. But you would think there would at least be an investigation because the chance that the vice president was conspiring to basically become the president in this way, that's that's not a good thing. So you'd want there to be some kind of an investigation, at least people looking into it. Not only was there not any kind of investigation, which shouldn't surprise us now that we've seen there's no investigation after the Capitol attacks, which were right there on video for the entire world to see, you you would you would think the news would cover it. The Houston Chronicle covered everything that I said. So they did, 
right? And there was like um, one of the three major networks did a very brief report on it. But a lot of the others, just no covering of this connection between the Bush family and the Hinckley's. Like it sort of came out later, you know, and the Internet shows up and people learn about it. That's I think that's pretty interesting. I think you'd really want to look into that. Just make sure that there was nothing funny going on. Um, but nobody really did it. I think because of the kind of president that Reagan was, I think that you're the, the this Bush theory is uh, it doesn't hold a lot of water with me because Reagan was all about propping up, uh, you know, uh, the rich with with uh, tax cuts and his trickle down economics. And that really benefited the rich. And I don't know. I don't know if it if it really makes sense that um, that that there was no you know civil major civil uprisings or anything about Reagan and his policies. You know, people tended to like him. So I don't know. Hard to say. Interesting though. I guess where I fall on is that people who ruthlessly want power and are you know just demand power for themselves it doesn't really matter that the guy's policies are similar to yours or that you they just want power and my my thought is that you know what these guys just felt like it was their turn they were supposed to be in charge and this damn actor you know who was basically from another political faction and reports are these are all just after the fact reports who knows what's true but there are many people who insist that Nancy Reagan who knew her wanted nothing to do with the Bushes after the assassination attempt um, and uh, just couldn't stand for them to be in the same room. So it, it's, a, it's, it's my favorite conspiracy theory because there's so many things at play and who knows at the end of the day, who knows with any of these things. But I think we've learned from you that you're a bit of a pragmatist and maybe a bit of a skeptic. And that's probably a wise position to be in this world. I like to daydream about, you know, odd things like that though and go, gee, I wonder if, you know, but yeah. that one, I never really, I never heard of that one before anyway. Um, so good one. Maybe it's something I need to read up on and, and ponder. <laughs> All right. Hey, I want to get into the business a little bit here in adult. And so let's start off just like kind of set the, the story here. Sometime in your past, you were not working in adult in any way, shape or form. And then you were right. So how did that happen? How did you get from not being involved in adult to suddenly now you, you had a foot in the industry? Yeah, you know, I started using, you know, BBSs and things when I got my first uh, modem. And uh, I met a whole group of new people through these these chat rooms. And we got together and one thing led to another. And one of the guys that, that I was good friends with, um, he was putting pictures of his wife online. And he, him and I eventually became partners and got a website up for her. And the thing really blew up. and And so... Um, I started going to trade shows and, and now we're talking around 98, 99, and the industry is really starting to get traction and move along. So it kind of, it kind of started from there for me. Um, and I really, as I said before, you know, I really enjoyed going out to the, the trade shows and meeting new people and making new friends and doing deals. And of course, deals were just so simple to make back then. Hey, how you doing? Uh, can I send you? 50,000 hits every day. Sure. I'll do the same, you know, and that was, it was that easy back then. I mean, and so when, when making money is that simple, of course, you're going to love what you're doing. And, um, and we did, and that lasted for quite a long time. And now it's just become something that, you know, I've, I'm kind of ingrained in. Um, I did go ahead and, and 
manage big affiliate programs and, and a lot of affiliate traffic for quite some time uh, years ago uh, prior to the tubes. You know, everything is like, it's like when Jesus is born, that's BC and <laughs> AD, right? The tubes is Jesus being born. So right. it's, it's pre-tubes and post-tubes. So pre-tubes, you know, I did a lot of affiliate work and a lot of affiliate program management. And, you know, uh, post-tubes, well, the, the affiliate model essentially died and um, everybody had to kind of rearrange the way they were doing stuff. Um, but for the past 10 years, of, I've been in the, in the billing vertical, which I thought was a really logical move for me, um, just because I, I never really stayed completely up to date with how people are designing their websites and coding their websites. And, you know, I used to code, code my own pages all the time or help people with them. But it, th- that, that part of the business moved too fast for me. And um, because I had stopped making new websites, you know, I was managing traffic. So when I got to a certain point and I saw this opportunity to get into the uh, the billing vertical, I, I really jumped at it because I felt like it was something I could really contribute to in the industry and, and not in not in any small part. The fact that I can really understand where the site owners are coming from, what their concerns are. I can't build the sites anymore, but I know what they're going through in terms of sales and marketing and billing and, and retention and fraud and a lot of those things because I had experienced it while managing these huge affiliate programs back, you know, pre tubes. So I, I was right about my own assumption about myself, and I was able to come in and, and make a difference with people and, and succeed at that. So I'm still in that uh, vertical in, in the sales uh, of merchant accounts, and, um, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Okay. Well, tell us a little about Pays, uh, you know, the company you're working at right now. Give us a little sense of the company's history and um, what services uh, you guys offer, what, what problems you solve, and, um, and what your day's like there. So Pays came about uh, 10 years ago. Um, it, it officially went online 10, 10 years ago, I believe, uh, this coming August, um, August or September. And, and I, was, I was in from almost the very beginning in uh, October of that year, I joined the team. And basically what we do is we specialize in merchant accounts for people. So we tend to take a lot of people who are looking to increase their billing uh, capabilities. So let's say they're on a third party like CC Bill or Epic, fine services. But what they want to do is add their to their portfolio of ways to take payment. So taking your own merchant account is, is a good idea. It's a logical move. Um, it, it provides some redundancy to your, your billing capabilities. So we do that. We have very close relationships with banks that are accepting high-risk merchant category codes, which you know is everything in, in adult. Um, and uh, we do business with, with all the, the usual suspects in the United States. Um, and several banks in Europe as well. And that's really where we concentrate most of our efforts. Okay. Do you guys have any new initiatives or any anything exciting you're working on that you, you can talk about, or is it pretty much uh, business as, uh, as usual right now? Pretty much we're staying on top of everything um, in terms of rules and regulations. Um, of course, everybody's heard about what happened with, uh, you know, with Pornhub and, 
And and that sort of was the catalyst for, uh, well, a lot of things, but certainly these new regulations for MasterCard. And I was just saying how I expect these regulations to carry on with, with other cards as well. So it's just being on top, you know, we're making sure people are on top of their games and, um, you know, getting the necessary paperwork and releases and IDs and things from, uh, from models who, who upload their own content to these platforms. So I, I was going to talk to you about the uh, MasterCard thing. Let's just jump to that actually then, uh, since you brought it up, um, let's delve into that a little bit. So how I understand it, at least from what MasterCard is is saying, you've got reports on, uh, there are some adult platforms that accept user-generated content, okay? So that means, uh, you know, this is common with, with models, performers who are shooting their own content, for example, and selling it on sites like OnlyFans or, or Clips platforms, et cetera, okay? In that case, this content goes up and they're saying, how do we know that everybody in this content is of legal age? So that you're, we're not, um, you know, we're not basically letting people um, sell underage content, like unknowingly. How do we know that the people in this content are consenting so that you're not uploading content maybe of your girlfriend who didn't like agree to be in this, et cetera. So we've got two problems here and we're going to give you some new rules because we want to make sure that we're not participating in either of those two um, awful things. Is that generally the gist of the problem that you see and what they're trying to solve? Yeah, sure. That That's definitely um, part of it. Um, and, and as a result, well, you know, the, the, you might hear people say, oh, well, you know, things get fall through the cracks and stuff. Maybe they do, but that's really not, um, an excuse. Okay. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I, I, I don't know, but whatever the fact is, it, you know, it just, it, it, it whatever it is, the, the fact is that, um, this kind of thing was happening and the card companies have said enough. We're going to, we're going to lay down some regs and, and take care of it. So, you know, there, there is a lot of things that should be done, certainly on, on tube sites and, and, uh, sites like OnlyFans and just for fans and whatnot, where, where a lot of user generated content, uh, actually makes up the bulk of the site. Um, so, you know, these people have to enter, enter into, uh, agreements with the, the sites. Um, you know, you have to make sure that the person uploading the content is of age. Uh, the identity of the person has to be has to be um, confirmed that way. Um, you know, you have to verify these people before they can upload any new content, and then the content must be reviewed before it's published. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things involved, and, um, and and right now, Mastercard is the one that is insisting on all this stuff being done. But like I said, I I, I expect it to uh, I expect it to be, you know, required by the other cards too. Yeah. So I, with all this stuff, I'm, I'm me personally, I'm of two minds. Um, obviously, you work with the, uh, the the card companies, and and you have their perspective in mind, of course. Um, and I see the importance of them. Obviously, keeping good relations with them is is is, is vital. It's like an existential issue for the adult industry. Um, so, uh, and and at the and on the one hand, like the problems that are being exposed are legit problems and and things that I think the industry would do well to to address. Now, on the other hand, here's here's where I I, I kind of get off the, uh, the the train a little bit. It really is impossible to run a perfect business. And when you're when you're talking user generated content and you have people uploading things to a platform, um, you just mentioned things falling through the cracks. 
that is going to happen. So we had, I don't know if it was, I think it was OnlyFans. So BBC reporters got this underage girl and we're trying to like get their, you know, get through to get an account proved to show, hey, look, you know, evil. So they, they, they tried uploading a fake ID or something and OnlyFans caught it and the account didn't get approved. And then they came out of another angle and came out of another, hey, we found a hole. Look, evil OnlyFans then wrote their big expose. And I'm not like pro or against OnlyFans. So it's not like I'm sitting here trying to defend them per se as a company, but that seemed kind of like a little douchebag tactic to me. It's like, you know what? This stuff really is hard. So trying to, trying to find a way to, to not let things get through really is hard. And to that point, we, we saw a recent report, uh, with respect to like sex trafficking, right? Um, and where that's happening and where all the recruitment's happening and where, where that is happening a hundred percent really well not a hundred percent but almost um the um all of it is happening in social media when it's online right these big social media sites in the report the government report that we saw there was hardly any mention of adult the adult industry at all so where they focused on i want to say like 60 something percent 63 percent of sex tracking trafficking recruitment happened um of, of, of children sex trafficking recruitment of children was happening on facebook and they listed number two, Instagram, which is the same company, right? Snapchat was brought up. These are big social media companies. Now, where is, I guess, if you're from our industry looking at you, you know what, as a whole, we're relatively clean when it comes to this stuff, right? Compared to what's going on in social media, where's MasterCard to show up and say, you know what, Facebook, if you want to if you want to process things here, if you want to use our service, you got to clean all this shit up and uh, and we're going to throw these regulations at you. It feels like it's very selective. You dirty pornographers, here's a bunch of tough rules for you. But hey, you big titans of, of Wall Street, eh, yeah, sex trafficking minors, eh, we'll just look the other way. Do you think there's any legitimacy to these to these um, these kind of critiques of, of what the the credit card companies are doing by targeting adult but ignoring the mainstream problem? I I don't disagree with you. I know that the, that it's a problem on non adult platforms out there as well. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's an, a bit of an uneven kind of playing field that we have because we're an adult. I think it's really always been like that. Um, you know, every every few years, when when politicians have nothing to think about, they'll they'll you know somebody will raise raise the problem of porn in in Congress or whatever. And uh, but when there's other stuff going on, like the entire Trump presidency, for example, <laughs> um, it gets talked about less because there's so many other things you know on the uh, on the agenda. What I don't know. I agree with you. I think it's it's uh, a little unfair that those guys seem to get a free pass. Um, I don't even know what kind of inquiries or investigations that happen on those massive platforms where um, you know things like trafficking is involved. So you would probably know better than me in that regard. Yeah, it, and and you would think, by the way, you're saying they would have better things to do. You would think that would be the case, but what. I've always believed I was I was talking about this on a previous episode of the podcast. I've always believed that things don't happen for a reason when it comes to uh okay. The New York Times has been going after adult uh to to a certain degree. Some of their columnists have at least. Uh Nicholas Kristoff over the New York Times has been writing these columns attacking adult. BBC has done it. Forbes just put out a um uh, you know, a, a piece exposing, you know, some of the uh the less than awesome things from um um 
the uh, owner of OnlyFans uh, hist- history, et cetera. There's this coordinated, I don't know if you call it a press feeding frenzy, but there's this thing going on. I won't say coordinated, but there's this thing going on, but it feels coordinated. So it feels like somebody somewhere has decided they've got an agenda run. Maybe it's like, hey, we want to push legislation attacking Section 230, or we want to push other laws that, you know, that change the internet in some way. And the very first thing you got to do is you got to create a problem, right? And like in the UK, we saw... The, they got really interested in age verification. The government wanted to do that. So what they did is they went out and found some BDSM content that they thought was horrible and said, oh, this guy went out and he attacked somebody in, in, you know, in the real world and he had all this BDSM content. Oh my God, we got to do something about this, right? And then the next thing you know, the legislation starts to flow. And, and so it looks like, oh, this incident happened and it was reported in the press and now the governments are reacting to this news that surfaced. But I've always felt like, no, they're, they're, they come up with what they want to do first. They hit up the guys at the New York Times or whatever they know who are friendly, right? They start the campaign. All these guys start writing about it. They get the, 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 this feeding frenzy going on in the public. We got to, won't the politicians do something? And then along comes the legislation with lots of backing from the public and they ram that shit right through. That's kind of what I have no proof that's going on right now in adult. But it smells that way. And the MasterCard regulations and all the uh, hit, hit jobs on, um, on user-generated content, it, it smells that way. And, and so I'm wondering, do you think user-generated content in general, is it in trouble? Do you think that's going to be a viable business model going forward with, with some tweaks and some changes? Or do you think user-generated content in general, yeah, we're, we're just not going to be able to do this anymore? No, it'll, it'll grow, I think. But under, under guidelines, under strict rules, it'll grow. Yeah. And what rules do you think those are going to be? Like, give us some examples. I think I think that exactly what Mastercard has put out initially here is is a really good uh, you know first step, and, and and there are other things involved with it that I didn't mention earlier. Um, but yeah, I think that that you know knowing who those people are to uploading to their own platforms, um, I think I think it's just going to grow. It's interesting. There's there's talk out there right now. People are wondering when OnlyFans are going to rid themselves of adult because it's become such a popular mainstream mainstream platform. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they will or not. They might. It, it depends on what makes them the most money in the end, you know, and gives them the least the least problems. Um, all of the, the 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 things you were saying earlier about, well, you know, let's make up a story. Let's look for a story that'll really bring eyeballs to, to our, our publication. That, that's what most of that is, you know, okay, we need a breaking story. That's going to bring a lot of eyeballs to us, give us a lot of attention and, and, and catapult us into the spotlight of every blog. And, and then all those blog writers and the blog writers that re- read those blog writers are going to up the ante and, and they're going to make this, the story that much more sensational until, until, you know, only about half of what you're reading there is the actual truth. Let's tell half the story. You know, it's that whole political game of, of twisting things and, and, and intertwining fact with opinion, you know, so the, the end reader is going, yeah, fuck those guys. And then, and, and, and at the end you read that and you go, that's, there's, that's not even half true, you know, but it's really riled up the people. And then, of course, the politicians take note and they're like, yeah, OK, you know, my base says this. So I'm going to go along with what they say. 
And so they run with that. And then, and then before you know it, they're running with half truths and mostly bullshit. And it leaves us Seattle community sitting here going, what the fuck? You know, we do a pretty damn good job of policing ourselves, which we do. Yes. We really do. You know, of course there's bad, bad eggs every so often, but generally speaking, I mean, adult, as long as I've ever been in it, has policed itself really, really well. Yeah, it's, that's a hundred percent. Like when you look at all the different industries out there, um, where there's a lot of money, like any of them, um, like there's always these douchebags who show up and participate. And that's, and adults no different. We've got, we've had our, our douchebags show up that we've had to deal with in the industry. But man, Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood, for example, right? Fucking monster. It's, there's, there are these people out there in every industry, like the owner of the Houston Astros baseball team. We're talking baseball. This guy, just look into its history. Like Forbes has got a long history on his business dealings with the U.S. military and some very shady billing practices and, uh, you know, kind of alleged um, alleged deals that were that were, you know, I think. Some would say, like, you know, just robbing the U.S. military, really, at the end of the day. Um, there's just a lot of people out there who are just doing all kinds of um, unethical and shady things in every industry. Adult in general, though, most of the people I've known at adult are awesome people, right, trying to do the right thing. And occasionally we get like an asshole who shows up that everybody has, has to deal with. And, and, and that's to me, is no different than any other industry. Has that kind of been your experience? Yeah, I mean, even even uh, boiling it down to like different forums and message boards that I use, you know, I've really noticed in the past couple of years how certainly with all the arguing online about, you know, politics that, you know, they've just kind of a lot of places have just taken a stand and said, you know what, if you want to talk about this here, we're going to move it over into this forum. And you can sit there and you can, you know, sling mud at each other all you want. I don't want it to dilute the actual business discussions that are happening in this forum, which is the whole purpose of this website anyway, is to discuss business, not sit here and to discuss, you know, uh, liberals versus conservatives all day long, which we all get tired of. I don't yeah, care what it, side you're on. It, it, it's true. It, and it's and the shame is, is that I've known I've known people on both sides of, of obviously those that coin and I've got my own beliefs and you see somebody who's on the other side and you start like, gosh, how could they have that opinion? But man, I like this guy in so many other ways or, hey, we really get along, you know, here um, or we've done good business together. Um, it is very divisive. It's I've never seen the environment so toxic. We used to early, early on, people would always talk politics um, in the industry on boards, on why not, on, on uh, GFY. And it never felt like it was so nasty like it is now. Like, like it's, you get too much into it now and, and people will be like, hey, I can't even be in the room with you. Or I can't even do business with you anymore. And it, it shouldn't be that way. But unfortunately, it has gotten that way, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I can think of a handful of examples of people who I'm good friends with who we certainly don't have share the same um, uh, opinions. Um, but we get along otherwise. I, I, I just, I, I have to ignore it. Or I, I, I say to them, I go, what are you gaining by posting that meme that is first bullshit? <laughs> what are you gaining by doing that? Jesus. There is a lot of bullshit out there. Or what I like to do personally, cause, cause I like to goof around and joke around is if, you know, if some we're in Canada, so there's a lot of people up here who don't like the the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, right? People will come out and say Justin Trudeau's an asshole because of this, because of that. Uh, you know, it's unfair. 
Firstly, meanwhile, those people are probably posting from their beautiful four-bedroom home, double-car <laughs> garage with a you know a, a trailer and, and a sea-doo. And I'm sorry, what do you have to complain about? Your life is great, you know. Um, but what I like to do is in those threads is, is come in and reply with a you know with a po- with a picture of Justin, you know, with a <laughs> with a heart or something. Say, you know, I love JT. He's the best PM ever. Just to piss them off. It's the best way to, you know, kind of either either piss them off or get everyone laughing and saying, Jesus Christ, stop that. So you're a bit of a troll is what you're um, trying to say. Yeah, I love to troll that. <laughs> but I do know when to stop. You got to know when to stop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So other than like all these, this issue with the user-generated content and the new roles coming down, are there other comp, just everyday common business problems that you see companies are dealing with from a from a um, a, a billing point of view uh, maybe some common mistakes they're making you know what 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 are people facing what kind of problems are they facing from from your vantage point um okay so to like drill down to like you know uh, an everyday thing is when people come on board with us they usually come from using a third-party service where they have to use the join page that's provided by that third-party service with very little um, very little changes. You know, those guys have a standard form that they use. You know what I'm talking about. The, we've all seen, you know, CC Bill's standard form, and you, right. can, you can modify it a little bit, but, but not too much. They, they allow certain things. And, and, but with us, it's, 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 you're basically on your own. You have to make your own. So... A lot of people don't aren't sure exactly where to go, how to place things. You know, what's the best for the customer's eye? Looking to the left side of the screen, moving right, or you know, what is it? Where should I put our fields? And we help our clients with that. We um, we have several templates that you know we suggest, and um, and so anyway, we help them with with those kinds of things when they're getting set up with their very own merchant account. Um, also, you know, when you do get your own merchant account, now you, you have to, uh, think about the fact that, um, you're the first line of fraud really, or the second line. Um, you have to make sure, you know, you, you, you stay on top of your fraud and we actually take, stay on top of it for our, our clients. Okay. Um, we help them with their chargebacks, chargebacks, uh, you know, (laughs) They're always an issue, and it, and, and it it has a lot to do with the merchant and how they they put themselves out there and how they you know they they perform cross sales and everything else. So they have to be careful as well. And and you know whenever we see any kind of anomaly, you know in their joins, we let them know immediately. Hey, you know for the past twenty four hours this has happened with your site, or maybe for the past six hours you've had no joins. You know what's going on? Something's wrong. Um, so we, we're always alerting them to what's happening, um, with their own accounts just to make sure that everything's fine. Um, but coming back to, um, to chargebacks and fraud, there's new things coming online. Um, there's a thing called, uh, 3d secure, um, which is kind of like what you may have experienced with websites that send like a code to your phone or a code to your your um, primary email you have to go fetch the code then come back to the site enter it in and then boom you gain access like two-factor authentication yeah so kind of like kind of like that but even on steroids you know and this is this is coming in and and this will also have a huge impact on on chargebacks um 
in our industry, but it hasn't been fully implemented and nor has there even been a date set uh, in the U.S. to have this implement, implemented, if it ever does. Um, you know, of course, the card companies have to figure out how they're going to make money off of it. You know, they make a lot of money off chargebacks right now with, with you know, chargeback fees. Um, so if a lot of chargebacks go away, then they got to find out how to replace that. Yeah, and isn't that a bit of a conflict of interest in a way? Because it's 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 the kind of stuff that I got to be honest with you. It, it's just God, I'm so cynical about this kind of stuff. So yeah, banks are making a lot of money off of chargebacks, but at the same time, they're telling you you're evil if you get chargebacks, so you have to keep your chargebacks down. So it's like shaking a finger at you. Meanwhile, so it, it kind of feels like, gee, gosh, we don't want to have to steal all your fucking money, but you had the chargebacks. I guess we're just going to have to do it. Shucks. And then, you know, in come the big chargeback fees. I mean, isn't that a little bit of a conflict of interest there? It's a better deal for them because they get paid regardless. Right. But they, you know, it happens without people calling them up and bitching about uh, charges to their to their account. So they're going to get paid regardless. Um and I guess it's a it's a good thing because then the merchants don't get hit with, you know, fines or problems regarding chargebacks. If there's a really solid thing in place to prevent them, I think that most merchants, if not all, will will welcome it. Um so this this kind of thing has been has been in place for a while in different forms, but they've really whittled it down to uh to something that everybody can implement. Um depending on your on your business model. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know, coming in widespread. Now, now what I wanted to ask you is because, and I don't know if, if, if they, they give you this information that pays or not, or if this is like, yeah, don't tell Chris, but like when you look <laughs> at the last year, this, this pandemic that's gone down an adult and we've heard from different uh, verticals, like, oh, we're doing well, great over here. We're not doing as good over here. Um, when you look at the industry as a whole and I mean, do you have access to the numbers? Can you see like, can you see like, Hey man, the industry's making a lot more money than it was in 2019 or things really dropped down. Or do you have any insights in terms of the overall financial trends of the industry from where you're sitting at and uh, working with the billing company? Yeah. I mean, a little, I, it's no secret that, that uh, revenue is up across the board since, you know, March, uh, February, March of 2020. Um, you know, we know, Merchants noticed that immediately. Right. I remember watching a, a, a Zoom call that was on one of the virtual shows um, in like May of 2020, and everybody was seemed to agree and uh, that oh yeah you know um, revenue is up, um, and right away people are and, and people are smart you know we have a lot of really smart merchants you know they they'll sit there and they'll say yeah revenue's up but. You know what? I'm. I've always got the the crash in the back of my mind. It, it's going up. It's we're doing great. We're enjoying it. Everyone's at home. You know, looking at at online things. But what's what's going to happen when it goes away? And everybody expected it to go away all at once. I don't think it, that's going to happen. It hasn't happened. Yeah, Re- revenue's been up for the entire time of of COVID, and it's it. it if it's going down, which I haven't seen it go down yet, it's, you know, because it's leveled off and it may go down gradually, gradually and get to a different level where it's settled down again. Well, the interesting, I was uh, 
past guest, um, you probably know him, Joey Gabra, uh, was talking with him about this trend. And he was kind of um, suggesting that, look, yeah, what COVID did was um, people got used to sort of interacting in this virtual way that we're doing right now as to where before people weren't as comfortable with it. They had to in the last year. So if you talk about adult, maybe you're like, why the fuck would I ever want to like pay this girl's on the camera? And I don't I just don't see it. Like what the hell? And now all of a sudden they had to do that for a year. So they're comfortable with that. And he thinks that actually is going to cause, especially with like younger, uh, younger adults as they, as they, they get older, you know, just a whole new um, group of consumers that now, are just fine doing things this way, maybe even enjoy doing things this way. And that's just going to lead to more opportunities for the online adult business. Do you think there's any truth to that? What do you think about his theory? Yeah. So think about it this way. Remember when we all start, we all had our cell phones. Remember the days before text messaging, right? Um, nobody was text messaging. Everyone was picking up their phone. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Now we've even got FaceTime and everybody texts as well. Now, how many, how many times when you want to get in touch with somebody, do you literally call them like cold? You, you don't want to get those calls Never. anymore. Yeah. You Never. don't. Yeah. You want to text somebody first. Say, yeah. hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say, hey, Connor, texting, texting. Mind if I give you a call? Right. And if you don't want to take the call, you will just ignore the text. Right. right? <laughs> you know, like for real. Or you might say, maybe you might say, I can't right now. I'm doing something. You're going to trigger Jay, by the way, talking about this, because one of his biggest pet peeves is like when people won't just fucking get back. It's like, why won't they just fucking say, you know what? Like, can't deal with this right now. (laughs) Fucking something. But don't just like not respond. That's like his biggest fucking pet peeve. I know it is. We've talked about it before. (laughs) But that's what people do. So remember now, now that's the way it is right now. So um, everybody's gotten accustomed to that. So now. Nobody even picks up the phone. Oh, fuck. I'm letting that go to voicemail. And then voicemail. Do I have to actually check my voicemail? Forget it. No way. I'm just, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't get your voicemail. I don't don't even check it anymore. (laughs) I want it to go away. So it's kind of like that for for this kind of thing, too. You know, people would would much rather uh, text you and say, hey, uh, let's get on FaceTime. Let's, you know, do it this way. So, yeah, people are totally more comfortable to – to, to the point where they're going to let the last thing kind of drop by the wayside and go for the, the next thing. Look at, look at, look at companies like talking about revenue being up. Look at companies like, um, what do you got down in the States? You got Uber Eats. What else do you have? Like DoorDash. Um, we got one up here called Skip the Dishes. They're all the same, right? Look at how much those guys have exploded during the pandemic. I mean, Amazed, they must be doing amazing amounts of money. Now, will it keep going? Will they crash? I bet they crash a little harder than than uh, than anybody in adult, you know, because you can go out and eat again. You know, right? though, like I look, our grocery stores put they can deliver now. Uh, you know, if you want your groceries delivered, and the other thing that like our local chain here does in Texas is, you know, I'm sure they're doing it all over the country. Um, is you can you can put your order in online and then you go pick it up. So you pull into a parking spot, flip the back of your vehicle open, and some dude rolls out the cart and puts all the shit. So they've shopped, they pulled it off. Well, I found that like after I got vaccinated and um, I feel totally safe going into a um, grocery store now, I still don't fucking want to. So like sometimes I'm going in now just because I'm like 
I don't want to be lazy. You know what I mean? I don't want to get in that habit, but I still find myself wanting to just put the fucking order. And sometimes I do say, fuck it. Just put the order in, pull into the spot, let somebody load the groceries and drive. got a lot of shit to do today. I don't want to fucking deal with like, you know, walking the grocery store and, and, and grabbing all this shit. So, so attitudes do change. You're right. Like, like things that happened over the pandemic, you know, some of it will, you know, some of it will stick. Some of it will go right back to where it was before, but some of it's going to stick. And maybe there's going to be some of those things that adult that just stick. So like you were saying, maybe if it does go down, maybe it'll be gradual or maybe a whole new generation of people discovered new ways to access adult entertainment. And they're going to keep doing that going into the future. Absolutely right. I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think that some verticals are going to crash harder than others. I don't think I don't feel that adult will crash super hard. I think it'll be a gradual decline from, you know, this level down to this level a little bit as people venture out of their homes uh, more often. Um, I think that for services like Uber Eats and delivery of food to your door, um, I think they'll have a, a more harder kind of decline because people do want to go out and eat in restaurants. They want to go out and be served their their dinner. You know, I do. I'm sure everyone does. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, but along the way, you're right. I think, uh, you know, people, certain generations of people, especially have learned how, you know, convenient this, a lot of this online stuff is more so than it, than it used to be. And, and convenience is key. It's like, like you got your glasses on. I went to the, uh, to, um, the eye doctor the other day, you know, to get, I, I haven't worn glasses I've, um, historically. And, and I'm just at that point now where sometimes I'm reading things and it's like, you know, it's a little, sometimes my eyes are tired. So I still don't typically need glasses, but every once in a while I felt like I need them. So I went to talk to him and I was like saying, Hey, I've heard this, this, um, uh, you know, this, this urban legend, right. That once you start wearing glasses, you know, your vision might deteriorate faster. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't think that's true. And I asked him, is that true? Is there any truth to that? So the way he described it was interesting. He said, look, he said, it's no. I mean, like if you wear glasses, it's not going to damage your vision or it's not going to deteriorate any faster. But what does happen, he said, is the brain likes what's easy. Okay, so like when you have glasses on, you can just sort of see easier. So then when you take them off and you get used to that easier state of being and then you take them off and it's not as easy, you're struggling to read a little bit more. The brain wants you to put the glasses back on. Right. Because it's just easier to read that way. And I got thinking about that in general across the board. And that's like all things, whether it's the picking up the groceries or having things delivered or, hey, I can do this online. I don't have to actually go somewhere and deal with a meeting. Uh, I don't want to commute anymore. The brain gravitates to what's easier, right? And and that I think is what we're really getting at at the end of the day. Um, that that human tendency to go with with simple. Why put myself through all this shit if I can just do it like this? Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And and I'm okay with all of it too. You know, like I I I'm fine in in the business business we're in. Well, we've kind of thrived, and so and that's fine. That's good. Um, and, and I like some of the different tendencies to change to this or that. And I never used to, to, uh, have things delivered. Now, now it's, it's almost like a normal thing now. Right. 
I know. I find myself checking the front door every a couple hours in case there was something I forgot I had ordered. And like, oh, oh shit, there's a box. Yeah, pull it my in. My wife is out of her mind with Amazon deliveries since this started. It's unbelievable. But which means you got to be constantly breaking down boxes and shit. So that's like the new job, the new house maintenance job, breaking down freaking cardboard boxes. It's a, it's almost a full time job. Hey, I, you said at the very start of this, or well, not the very start, but early on in this discussion, you said that you, you talked about the, the arrival of tubes and that the adult affiliate market sort of died at that point. And the the market we knew back then definitely did, uh, you know, the, the whole Top Buck, Silver Cash, all those guys back in the day who were the pay site affiliate programs, that really isn't the thing anymore. But I wonder, do you think there, do you think it's, Still dead, or do you think there's been a resurgence of adult affiliate marketing, or, or do you think there's opportunities for for affiliates who are maybe just wanting to get into it now, willing to put in a little more work than we did back in the day? You know, where we maybe submitted to Yahoo and made a couple thousand bucks. Are there are people now still getting into adult affiliate marketing? Do you think? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's much much tougher than it used to be. The uh, the affiliate programs out there, while they are still very helpful with the affiliates they have. Um, they used to make it so, so easy to, to take whatever traffic you had and send it over to them in so many different ways. You know, there's affiliates when you, when you want to, I mean, affiliates help affiliates now. Like if you run a program, you're also affiliates with dozens of others because everybody's sending traffic back and forth to each other. But I think that the massive affiliate, um, boom, that we had in the early two, you know, throughout the two thousands, uh, was, was, you know, due to a couple of things. One was the novelty of online porn, you know, wow, there's porn on, on my computer and it's, it, I can see it and, oh, wow, I can make money off of it too by doing this and this and making a website was, you know, dead easy back then. And it wasn't complicated. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of sites did it for free for you. Hey, you want a free website here? Use this. You can put anything you want on it. Um, so I don't think it'll ever be like that again. Unless, yeah, definitely not like that. Of, yeah. Unless some kind of business model that's that comes along that where it's so easy for affiliates and referrers to make money. Um, that's the key, really. It, it's because people really made money off of it. And then yeah. when they stopped making money, they went away. And the, the, the other thing that really changed, this is what I think actually is a bigger problem than just sort of the novelty wearing off or whatever, is that all the traffic, all the people are caught up on a couple of services that didn't exist, right, when we were we, in the golden age of affiliate marketing. So there was no Facebook, right? Or, or if there was, it was in, you know, when it came in, it was in its very early phases. You know, Twitter, when I started, there was no Twitter. Um, you know, there was Google didn't dominate the landscape as just this one search engine behemoth. There were lots of them, right? So there were five, six, seven. So if you didn't get good results from one, you can go over to InfoSeek or Excite or Lycos or all these different search engines. Um, now everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on Twitter, um, or, or TikTok or Instagram, right? There's a couple of services there that have sucked up all the traffic. When it comes to the adult side, yes, you've got Pornhub who's sucking up most of the uh, views over there. At least that's still industry. Um, but man, people aren't just out there searching for things anymore like they were. They're just looking for like what new services. So it's your job as a marketer to try to figure out how to 
how to get some attention for yourself, despite the fact that everybody's zombie scrolling on Facebook, arguing politics. Like I've always said, you're not just competing as an adult marketer against other adult companies or other adult sites. You're competing against everything. Someone's on Netflix streaming all day, you know, watching videos. They couldn't do that back in the day. Now they're online. They can do that all day long. Um, so that's, you're up against that. You're trying to find a way to, um, to, to, to get some attention when people are on these big behemoth services that are designed specifically to keep them addicted and keep them there. So uh, that's what I see as, as one of the biggest problems um, that, that are, that's facing any new adult companies or smaller affiliates. Yeah, search engines suck nowadays. I mean, yeah. Google, for example, I just realized how badly they suck. And I got a new desktop <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago and accident, I accidentally, I don't know how I did it. My, my, my default search engine uh, came up as Bing. Okay. Um, I started getting search result pages that I looked familiar, but different. And I realized oh, I'm on, I'm on Bing. <laughs> Bing results are giving me like way, way better, way more relevant stuff than Google. I do the same search over on Google and it's, it's, it's different, less relevant, more ads. I'm like, this is the problem. Search engine is supposed to be a search engine, not a, a, a a device that throws ads in my face constantly with every click and every turn of my mouse wheel, you know, like, fuck. So you know, the, the, I, I didn't change it. I left it at Bing. So the, you mentioned Bing. It's, it's interesting. I haven't been there in a while, so I don't know if they changed this, but you know how like Google has the image search and you can do all these kinds of, and Bing had some kind of a video search. And um, like, if you went to it and you search for porn, like you put in some topic you're looking for, you know, uh, POV blowjobs or whatever. It would create this, fuck, like, just how Google shows you the images on, pulls images from all these websites and shows them on their fucking site, right? So you don't have yeah. to leave Google. They were doing the same thing at being with videos. And I noticed the layout of the whole thing looked exactly like a tube site. So I'm like, holy shit. So you could basically go to Microsoft and, and maybe they've changed this. This was like two years ago when I was looking at, you can go to Microsoft, put in a porn topic of interest. It auto generates a fucking tube site for you and you can watch your porn right there and you don't have to go anywhere. Right. Um, when you're, when you're doing it, which is fucking crazy. At the end of the day, that means Microsoft is profiting really from porn the same way, uh, the, your, you know, Canadian company up there, uh, Pornhub is doing really and pulling all this traffic in and then people don't have to leave. So, so wow, you can create your own tube content on, on Microsoft in a way that's actually really annoying and frustrating because it's just one more way that mainstream is finding a way to hold on to the traffic themselves and not send it to adult sites, which seems to be their, their biggest thing. How can we make sure these motherfuckers don't get any of the cheese that we've, we've sucked up all for ourselves here? Um, well, I, I just went and had a look, Connor, and uh, I went to Bing. I did a search for, for your choice, POV blowjob. I had to turn my safe search off. But, yeah, yeah it comes up. It looks uh, like a fucking tube site, doesn't it? It, it looks a little bit like you porn. Yeah. <laughs> it went ahead and decided for me other um, search terms that are related to it. I've got HD POV blowjob, amateur POV blowjob. POV blowjob swallow. Oh, that sounds good. You can click there and get and refresh the page. So, yeah, yeah you're so, absolutely right. So it's it's all this fucking game. And then on the Google <laughs> side, what I've noticed with them is they send all the fucking traffic to uh, Pornhub and you know a few of the big tube sites, right? So yeah. so almost any topic you put in, you're getting the same goddamn results. It's you can put any porn search and it's going to 
Pornhub, X, uh, X videos, X hamster. There's a few sites they're sending almost all of it to some dude who's like trying to start a new site or a content site. You're never going to get really ranked on Google. Now okay. you're like, Google doesn't want to just stop doing porn searches. I don't think because what will happen if they do that is, okay, I'm looking for porn. I go to Google, I type it in. They're like, no, we're too pure and praise Jesus. Okay. So then I'm not going to Google anymore because it's like, okay, I'm going to go over here and search for my porn. Once I'm over here searching for my porn, maybe what happens to me is what happened to you with Bing where I'm like, you know what? I kind of like it over here. I'm going to, I'm going to search for Amazon stuff over here too. And I'm going to search for, you know, um, the latest topic that I'm, uh, I'm going to buy a new breed of dog and I'm going to look into research this breed and I'm going to do that over here too. It could break the habit of people just automatically going to Google if they don't put porn in their search results, right? Because so many people do want to see porn. So they want to get porn in their search results, but they want to just sort of do it in a way to where, all right, if we kick them to Pornhub, Everybody's going to see what they want to see. They're going to, okay, I'm coming here. I'm looking for like the latest, like hot milk porn sex. Boom. Hit them the porn up. They get what they want. They get to watch a free video. They'll keep coming back to fucking Google. We don't have to do We know they're going to get what they want. They're fine. All these other players, maybe they'll toss you just enough cheese. Once in a while, you get 10 clicks here, 20 clicks here, just enough so that you keep trying to play their fucking game. You keep optimizing your, your site based on all these Google rules and keep trying to, you put Google analytics on your site so they can keep track of you and what's going on and understand the traffic around the web. That's to me, seems to be Google's game. That's what they're doing. Being over there was just basically creating a, a, a fucking tube site on the fly and just saying, I oh, will just keep the traffic here and we'll steal these guys fucking content and uh, nobody will ever leave. It's that's how the mainstream companies are treating us as the adult industry. And that's why when I see all this shit, we come back to what MasterCard saying, we're going to come after you adult, you sleazy pornographers, but Facebook will launch human trafficking. All right. That's, that's cool. It just fresh after all these years of being an adult, you'd think I would be chill with it by now, but it's still just the double standards, the hypocrisy, the shitty treatment. It just really still gets to me after all this time. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. All right. So final word here. I want to give you just a chance to look ahead. So crystal ball time, bring out your crystal ball. And as you look ahead to the rest of 2021 and into 2022, what do you see happening in the adult business? Um, well, I think that, as, as mentioned earlier, I think that the, the, the freedoms that are coming back because of the end of COVID, which I really hope it is, um, I think the industry is not going to crash. I, I think it's, it may trend down slightly, but I think it's very strong. The, the state of the industry is, is quite strong. And, you know, I think platforms like live cam platforms are going to do really well if they're managed properly. You know, they continue to innovate with um, the way the cam models interact with the customers and whatnot. I think that's a really strong um, platform as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I want to shout out to, to Chatterbait because they do such a good job. Um, they treat their models so well. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's such a win-win at Chatterbait. And if, if you're a cam model you, and you're not there, you really should get on there and just, you know, weigh your options. Um, so I, I do see the the, um, the live cam model uh, platform continuing to be successful, and this whole tr you know as we talked about trained to communicate online at home that's only going to be more beneficial for that kind of platform. Um, you know the the other the other verticals out there uh, shouldn't have any problems, even if 
with the MasterCard rules that are coming out. Um, just play the game and do do it right. You know, certainly in, in dating um, and 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 pay sites as well. I mean, pay sites. You know that I, my, our business is processing. I can tell you, my clients who run pay sites are very happy. Uh, business is doing well. Um, if you run a great pay site with a with a, a niched theme and great content, um, you're going to make money. And and they know that. They know they know that they have to keep their site fresh with the best possible content. And and those sites are going to continue to thrive. Um, where I wish I, I if I have a wish list of kinds of sites that would do well, I really I really wish. Um, more affiliate activity could pop up again. Um, I don't think it will, unfortunately, but I really, I really wish it would. It would make this industry that much more fun in a lot of ways um, to be able to, you know, get your own traffic from the search engines like the old days and send it to whatever sponsor that makes you the most money. Those are really fun times. Um, I just don't think it's it's going to happen. But yeah, I, I, I think for the for the most part, I see that the live platforms are going to continue to do well and even grow. Yeah, and 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 I appreciate all those thoughts. And I I echo your sentiments with the uh, affiliate marketing. I actually think there's still uh, some active affiliate marketing going on. I don't think it's quite as bleak as as uh, as as you see it. But um, the thing that killed you just said that you see the uh, the pay site uh, operators happy doing well, they can make money. And to me, that says if they can build a product, if anybody in adult can build a product that can make money, then an affiliate can make money as long as the affiliate can figure out how to make traffic, right? And that's I, the key. Yeah, that is the key. And, and that and we say that right off the heels of talking about how shitty the search engines are, right? right? Um, and, and it's, it's that much more difficult now to actually glean any traffic from search engines. Yeah. SEO is not going to do it for you, but what I think what I'm hearing from all the affiliate program owners, and I've, I've been hearing this for a while now is affiliates. You're not going to just pull traffic in and cheap tactics and throw it in an affiliate program and make money quickly and then move on. But if you build your own content rich destination websites and and use certain tactics to build up an audience there, and then you get your own fresh organic source of traffic coming in because you've got content people want to see, and then you're working with this program, that program, et cetera, to help monetize that traffic that you've got coming into your content rich website, there's an opportunity there. It's just that that's not fast. So talking about what we did in the old days where we did quick things and threw it up and people put the bucket out to catch the money, that's gone. That's never going to happen again. But if you want to work an adult and you want to build a content-rich website and you want to work hard at, at, at building up over time your source of organic traffic that you can then work with programs on, I think there's still opportunities there because the adult services the cam companies, the clips platforms, the um, even the pay sites, as, as you're telling us now, the dating companies, they're all still making money. So the product still sells. You just got to figure out how to get the people over to it. Yeah, most definitely. Very well put. Hey, Chris, I really appreciate this uh, discussion. It's always fun talking with you. And um, one of these days, I'm going to have you be a uh, firm believer in the uh, the Hinckley uh, assassination attempt there with Reagan. Oh, I'm going to read up on it. That's pretty <laughs> interesting. That's one of those things where, you know, you ever, you ever go down the wiki rabbit hole? You know, yeah. where you, it's, oh, God, it's 2.30 in the morning and I'm still on wiki kind of thing. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, I'm going to look into that one. That's one I'd never heard of. So thank you. It's a fun one. I love it. We will revisit. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Love, why not? Thank you, man. Appreciate that. (laughs) 